What is going on, Craft Beer Hustlers family? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode one. I am coming at you kind of a little different where we'll be starting week to week, but uh, Johnny and I had a little bit of a hiccup when recording this first episode. Uh, yeah, I forgot to hit record on our software. So we're going to start out on a weird spot uh, just because Johnny did his due diligence and set it back up on our Google Hangouts call. So you'll hear, hear a little bit of audio um, start at a weird time. But Johnny and I are talking about our friendship and kind of how we came to be uh, friends and, and good friends at that. So again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you can right now, go ahead, subscribe. Uh, so you'll be updated every other Wednesday when we drop a new episode, as well as if you enjoy what you're listening to, there's no obligation, but drop a, a rating because that will really help us out. So again, on to the episode. Like me and uh, Johnny have been friends for quite some time. Would you say say so, Johnny? Yeah, it's taken a toll on my life, uh, my liver. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's uh, yeah. We we hooked up at that beer garden. Um, it was my second year there, and and uh, you know, Castle Island obviously shout out to them giving us that opportunity. But um, yeah, we met up there. Obviously, uh, hit it off. Got a lot yeah. of similar interests. So um, yeah, I think my liver thinks it's been a, a little longer than just a year. But <laughs> I think it's uh it's funny too because uh, with that that was my kind of first foothold into the craft beer industry, and it really helped me take off my Instagram page. Obviously, some people that are coming from Instagram know who I am with that. Um, and it was a super cool experience because obviously I get to meet a lot of like my good friends now. Um, and we really get to, to do some awesome stuff. We get to experience that industry together, but, um, you have a little bit of a different background kind of in the restaurant tour slash, um, like bar brewery world. So why don't you talk about yourself a little bit? What, how you got into craft beer, um, your first loves of craft beer, kind of what you did um, with that. And then obviously like your gambling experience and what your favorite games are. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone wants to hear about my gambling experience. I don't want to tell anyone my gambling experience. My <laughs> well, mom's hopefully going to listen to this. So sorry, mom. Yeah. This is where the, the different ends of the spectrum, I think fall into place when you, if you've listened to our trailer, this is exactly where we will start to kind of pull away from each other a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Johnny? Yeah, no, I mean, all the way through college, uh, you know, my sophomore year, I think I was 19, 20 years old, got my first job in a restaurant waiting tables uh, at a brew pub uh, downtown Boston uh, by the garden. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where that started. And, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm a, anyone who knows me knows that I have a pretty outgoing personality. So um, it just worked out, stayed in restaurants through college after college, uh, you know, eventually hopped behind the bar, um, love slinging drinks, eventually came to love craft beer, a good friend of mine. Uh, really started that he has two older brothers who uh, him and his family used to brew beer every summer so um, if I'm not mistaken if I'm lying I'm sorry Kevin uh, um, <laughs> but you know he's uh, you know really kind of been alongside me on this you know as corny as it is this journey in craft beer so uh, he he kind of has uh, helped me grow in that world so um, going to a ton of breweries I obviously don't have the Instagram page or followers that you do <laughs> but uh, definitely um really like to to kind of go to the breweries and and learn uh different brewing styles different uh, kind of approaches to the industry uh, on the business side so yeah uh, it's really been great to be able to do that and eventually like i said ended up at a, at a castle island brewery and uh the rest is kind of history at that point yeah i actually liked what you said when you were like it's as corny as it sounds it's a journey but um what i've seen through craft beer and like i like to romanticize it a lot um through my pillars of what I think craft beer are. And I can talk about that when I introduce myself, but um, I, I think craft beer is a journey. Um, beer in general is a journey from where we started having group beers and um, beers that Ryan Heist where you can only use certain types of uh, ingredients and things like that. Um, beer is a huge journey from European styles to now America and kind of what we're doing to craft um, and push what beer now is with our hazy IPAs and things like that. So the, the world is taking notice on America, but we took notice on everything else before. So um, I think it's, it's a huge journey, whether it's personal or through the entire industry. But 
Yeah, uh, no, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Do you want me to touch on the gambling side of it now? Or yeah, I... yeah, sure. That's that's what it's all about. It's blending yeah. blending craft beer and gambling. <laughs> um, I think my first bet I made, I was uh, what is it? I was uh, ten years old. I was just before my eleventh birthday. I bet on the Patriots Rams Super Bowl with uh, again another friend of mine, and uh, we made a couple bets during that Super Bowl party. My mom ordered a ton of pizza. I had like five, six, seven friends over into uh, into our apartment, and uh, I think I lost every bet. So I was just setting myself up for uh, you know a little bit of foreshadowing there. Um, yeah, lost every bet, and that's honestly why I think I hate the Patriots so much. Uh, go <laughs> oh, go birds! On. Go oh. birds! Um, but yeah, that's how it started. And now, uh, big craps guy. I love craps. Um, definitely hope that we, we can talk to, uh, talk to that, uh, in a couple episodes here. I got a couple, a couple of guys I think would be good to bring on. And, uh, I'm always down for a good sports bet. Um, yeah. football, I try to stay away from, from basketball and baseball. I think football is going to be your, your best bet. But again, that's something we can get into going forward too. But, yeah. um, there's not a bet that I, that I won't at least enjoy talking about. That's for sure. <laughs> um yeah that's awesome uh, I, i'll touch on it too but craps is one of my favorite games i think uh, a lot of people feel other than blackjack you have like a little bit of uh lady more lady luck on that but you can control like what you're putting in as well um so it's a little less than blackjack but i love craps craps gets craps get in gets into it so yeah, one of the uh, best odds in the house so if you're yeah if you're exactly your best chance to hit the craps table that's that's the truth um all right, so uh, yeah, I can talk a little bit about myself. Uh, obviously, I'm Dan. I run Grealish Strings Beer. Um, so that page has been running for about a year and a half now. I started in November of 20... <clears throat> what year did we work at the Beer Garden? 2019, so November yeah. of 2018. Um, so we just came up on the year. Um, it's been super exciting. Uh, I've gotten a lot of opportunities with different marketing companies as well as friends and just uh, being introduced to different aspects of craft beer, um, different uh, brewery owners and brewers and front of house people. It's just been an awesome experience to like talk to them. So I actually, um, with craft beer and how I got into it, uh, I didn't start drinking until I was like 19 or 20 um before that i was like it's not the legal age daniel <laughs> yeah yes exactly i don't condone um condone uh underage drinking but um you know stuff stuff happens in college but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i was completely abstained from alcohol i thought it was the devil's juice but uh as i got older i wanted something that i could share with my dad um like to be able to sit down and have a beer together um, and just enjoy a conversation. So as I got older, I was kind of like, I don't want to drink like the Bud Lights and stuff like that. So I actually broke into it with like Narragansett as much as like I love to say like that's a craft beer. And a I lot really of people, break it in. Yeah, that people are like, you know what? That's that's it. The Narragansett. So if you're not from around the area, I'm sure it's a national brand at this point. But it's uh, one of our staple loggers back in the day. Fenway used to have their... Uh, um, sponsorship with them that was the beer of fenway um and after that uh i remember my 21st birthday being like you know what i really want to try an ipa and i had it as um green flash soul style that was my first ipa i ever had and you remember after, the first one i, I remember the first one because i was like this is wild and it's a west coast style ipa and it's delicious and that's where i got into hops and the rest was history i started chasing chasing everything after that Hold on, hold on, hold on. You had your first IPA and you're like, this is delicious. Oh, yeah. Because I, I was like, I was, <laughs> like an animal. I was like, soul style like sounds awesome. And well, I should. OK, let's back it up. My first drink that I ever even had, like ever had was 151 and monster. So I really set <laughs> myself <fucking> up. Animal. <laughs> I set myself up for a downhill slope very quickly. Oh so my gosh. Um that's where people are just like they're like 151 and monster? Yeah, that was my intro into it. Were you in like Atlantic City? Like what's going on here? Um, I got to know why that how that <laughs> came to be. So the story is, so um in college I was in the marching band and there was a um there was the place that everyone talked about and it was called um it was 
I don't even remember what it was. It was just in Connecticut. So people all season long would just be like, get ready for Connecticut. This is what we play for. So like in high school, I was like very competitive with like marching band. Like I, this is stuff I'd never like, I'd never like showcase on the page. Like <laughs> I've been playing music since I was like in fourth grade. I um, have two New England championships from high school for marching band. Like, yeah, like this is stuff Johnny doesn't even know. <laughs> but um, so then when I got to college, like everyone was just like Connecticut's the best. And it was just like you play your you're set for seven minutes eight minutes you get off the field everyone goes back to the hotel and they just drink i thought that was miserable i thought it was the <laughs> worst thing in the world because i'm used to just like being like i want to play the best music that i can play and these people just want to just wait for two months later when we go to connecticut wait 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 what did you play uh in marching band i played um I was Tell in, me you're walking around with those big ass drums, right? Just boom, no, boom, boom. No, no? my bro my brother did that though. The bass drums. My brother was a bass drum player for a little bit. Um, no, I played in the pit. So I was like, uh, obviously fits my physique, but I was just like stationary. Uh, I was a lot thinner back then, but uh, yeah, I played like the mallet percussion. So I played like marimbas and xylophones and stuff like that. Uh, so I played. <laughs> I I played that. And I played that in high school as well. But in high school, I also played like saxophone. I know how to play bass guitar. Like I, yeah, I've played a bunch of different. It's a whole new world, Daniel. I, I know. I, I've never said any of this stuff before. But <laughs> this this may be a lot of news to a lot of different people. Um, <laughs> Breaking news on the first episode here. Save some for the rest. <laughs> but yeah, so Connecticut was just like this place where people just went to get mangled. And uh the girl that i was like pseudo dating at the time was just like oh yeah like we got we got drinks upstairs so i went up and all she had was 151 in monster and that's when i was like this is the worst <laughs> did you break up with her and send her straight back to the new jersey hole where she came from <laughs> the armpit of america <laughs> uh unfortunately not and then i later on was just like what am i doing that's fantastic. Yeah, Get on so, a real tangent there. Sorry about. Oh, that. I know. We're not even <laughs> not even craft beer related. I know. All right. So your first beer was an IPA. You loved it. Uh, yep. Soul uh, Soul Style from Green Flash. Loved that thing. And the reason why I got it was because when I was a kid, I used to listening to the Bouncing Souls, and I was like, "Yo, these two are connected somehow. <laughs> give it to me. Just got it." it and, and I was like, "This is delicious." Um, so yeah. Green Flash Soul Style, um, and then the rest was history. I've been chasing hops ever since. I was asking, always asking questions, and it wasn't until later that I really started getting to ingredients and how beers were brewed. So, yeah. Um, and my gambling experience, I am, I would say, a recreational gambler. I don't like, uh, I don't go too often. Uh, and for people that are on Instagram, you know that I talk about my girl, um, uh, my girlfriend, Emily. She uh, has a major disdain for casinos. Uh, she thinks it's a waste <laughs> of money. While I say, what's the difference between going to a bar and going to a casino and wasting the hundred dollars? Exactly. It's all uh, about the experience. You have no it, chance of winning that money back at the bar. No, you do not. Um, so uh, she is just she just isn't the biggest fan. But uh so i don't go too often but my favorite games are craps and i have been known to uh bet on the khl every now and again <laughs> khl what when it's nine in the morning and oh, like man. you and your you and your buddies are at work and you're just like you know what we we could spice up the morning just a tad it's you just go on to the khl and see what's going on with that action Jeez. I had a kid that was sitting next to me at work uh, when we were still in the office. He was betting on like Bulgarian soccer at one point. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? See I, that? I, that's it's tough. It's tough. You know, sometimes you got an itch, you got to scratch it. But good grief. Well, let I that think one the, go, man. The KHL is a little well known. Like people know what the KHL is. If you say whatever the acronym for Bulgarian soccer is, I'm sure people would be like, what in the hell are you talking about? I don't even think it's an acronym. I think they're just like, we're Bulgarian soccer and we're here to play. <laughs> let's, let's do this. We're playing in the middle of a pandemic. It's fine. You don't get acronyms when you're in the middle of a pandemic. No, you don't. Unless you're COVID, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one. Yeah. The overarching one. Yeah, we don't want that one, though. No. Get that shit away. Not at all. Awesome. So, 
with this being a craft beer show, um, we obviously have to uh, drink some beer. So, Johnny, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, I think to celebrate uh, our first episode here, I went, uh, I shouldn't say to the depths because I have this pretty often, but I, I am about to crack a, a Julius here from Treehouse. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. What, so, what about you? What do we get over uh, there? I've got a um, Babylon Sour IPA. This is a uh, Hudson Valley. Um, so if people obviously know Treehouse, I'd hope if you're in the craft beer game, um, it, even if you're not, it's a name that's been thrown around, especially in the New England region quite a bit, but predominantly hazy ipas which actually is very perfect for the first episode that we're so similar and kind of like what we're doing um hudson valley um if you're familiar with them they are um predominantly sour ipas that's what they're known for so um very interesting style very delicious yeah. though um i wish i had it in a cup so at least you could see it on the video but um it's super super red it's like it's made with blood oranges, so it's just okay. like sweet and red. It's good. Yeah. The sour IPA, the sours as a whole. Um, I think I'm probably the last person to get on that train. It's uh, it's tough for me. I can't. It's always gives me the feeling that I'm just drinking like a melted Jolly Rancher. So, trying to get on that train, but it is it's stuck in the station. Yeah, me and um, it, it, sours are definitely like difficult. I love sours. Like I loved Warheads growing up and stuff like that. And that yeah, it didn't. So that makes sense. And this is this is actually a huge reason why I think this style sours are just coming like coming to like a huge peak because people like growing up it was like we had warheads like the um what are they called the sour strings and things yeah. like that sour patch kids yeah people just love sour candy and so yeah. that's why I think this is so perfect because then they're fruited but I think a lot of this tradition comes from like lambic styles which right is why i'm like <laughs> which why i agree with you like i can only have a couple of these now like i really mm-hmm. have to make make sense of it because uh, back in october i went to zwainzy day which is um Ooh. yeah uh so again people that aren't familiar with it is uh cantillions once a year um once a year festival sort of thing that they have in the u.s they release um something like a couple hundred or it's probably more than that, but locations throughout the U S that are offered, um, the Cantillion, the, um, Dreyer Fontaine's, the, a lot of different Lambics, um, which is like a Belgian style. It's a Belgian, uh, wild fermented, just it's typically sour, um, just because of the wild yeast, but I'm getting way too deep into the craft beer for a lot like a lot a class of, right now for a lot of our gambling people. I see again, this is where okay. if you listen to our trailer, different ends of the spectrum. I love this stuff. I love teaching people about this stuff. But um I mean to be that, frank, I, I think uh sorry to interrupt, I think uh most of our listeners are gonna be on the beer side of that spectrum anyway, you know. So yeah. I think so we're okay. I think we're which right. is great. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's people like especially like gamblers and things like that, people who are like professional poker players or just uh avid uh like craps players, sports gambling, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think they have a great um segment to come in and really talk about that stuff and teach me about it. Cause I I love that. I still love it. I love getting action, I love yeah. seeing it. Um, and just to like learn about a different industry. And that's why I think the hustle of craft beer, where we are, what they're doing, especially now is very much compared to the hustle of, uh, like casino goers, people who are very avid gamblers that are just looking for, looking for the action, but also putting in that work to, to make sure they have the best odds. So, um, back to it. Zwainzy day, super sour beers. I drank like a million of them with my buddy, uh, Gabe, Shout out craft beer uh, or Gabe Nye, the craft beer guy. His last name is actually Nye. It's wild. He That's showed me his license. Oh, it's That's awesome. pretty lucky. That's pretty he, lucky. I was like, he was like, yeah, I'm Gabe Nye, the craft beer guy. I was like, dude, that's a sick name. He's like, no, my last name's actually Nye. I said, I don't buy it. Showed me his like license when we first met. And I was like, all right, we're friends for life now. <laughs> and I'm never letting you go. No. And so after that day, uh, I already had a hangover going into it. Drank all that. And then uh, about 10 hours later, uh, I was hanging out with Emily and my my buddy Jimmy, and I felt like my stomach was going to tear itself inside out and then eat my body. It was the worst hangover I think I've ever had in my life. So Beer festival will sneak up on you, man. Me and my friends will talk about that all the time. You know, you, you get to these beer festivals, and you're like, it's a two-ounce cup. 
you know? Oh, and then, then you yeah. realize that every beer there is nine percent or higher, and you're like, yep. fuck. Yep. And then you're you're just dead in a ditch. I am drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good beer festival, though. We can save this topic for another one, but I love a good beer yeah. festival. Uh actually, like I mean, we can tease it, but um hopefully later on. Um I had that uh beer festival that i was talking to you about unfortunately with like everything that's going on right now they've pushed it off to the fall and i'm really hoping that it 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 can go on in the fall because um their cause is awesome um so i i definitely want to showcase that because they're great people yeah that sounded like a great cause so i'm excited for that yeah so um yeah with that like especially i guess i guess the best leeway that we can um we're living through a pandemic right now um (laughs) just we have never dealt with this before and you know what i just realized now in this moment you may think dan what did you realize and now you may be thinking future dan why are you taking the time to jump into the podcast well this is the technical difficulty i was talking about uh i had forgot to hit record on our software again johnny hit record on google but in the next clip, you're going to start to notice that my voice goes a little off. Um, just an issue that I have with the mic that I need to sort out. But um, yeah, it, the content doesn't change. The energy doesn't change. But uh wanted to give you guys that heads up. So back to the show. Oh. Yeah, I'll make it work. Do you want to double check first? Like, when No, no. I, I, I used to be able to take audio out of videos all, right. all the time. Okay. So... All right. Cool. All right. Let me just look at one thing here. Okay. It's still downloading. Cool. 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 I'm going to X out of this so it doesn't come in. Perfect. And nope. Cool. What have you had on your screen? Our video? Uh, I have three different monitors. So I actually have the show notes yeah. up. I had you the Zencaster up. Dog. <laughs> I have you. I have you up here. I have the show notes over here, and I had ZenCaster over here. But I'm too stupid to fucking do anything on that one. <laughs> it seems like a wasted monitor. Yeah, it, that no, one. Kind I'm, of just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, so you want to start with? <laughs> yeah. So start with COVID. <laughs> so yeah, with uh, the good wheelie, the good. <laughs> good segue <laughs> good segue into covid oh We're i feel like we do early. i i feel like we do need to talk about this right now so first episode of we I, did so what we, we did what i did what i did i'm not gonna drag johnny down with me i've i've listened to a ton of podcasts and i'm always like i hear people saying that they have technical difficulties like they're, they they forgot to hit record on something and they didn't record it. Yeah, I did that. I never thought I'd do that. I did that. <laughs> the craft beer hustlers are not detail oriented. No. Luckily for me, Johnny uh, did record <laughs> did record the hangout. So uh, the beginning may be spliced a little weird, but that's okay. It it is what it is. Um, so, all right, yeah. For once, it's not me. Everyone who knows me who's listening, yeah, that jokes was... on you now, buddy. Yep. Uh, First episode, swinging for the fences. We fig- we figured it out that we're back. We're, we're back. rocking and rolling. I might have to have a second beer here, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's definitely not ten a.m. No one needs to know that. No, not at all. Not at all. At least you're drinking a Julius. At least you're drinking a Julius, though, so it's kind of like an orange juice. I was just gonna say it's just juice anyway, so it's fine. (laughs) Give me some vitamin D. There's sun out today. Gotta hit the grocery store. Go on a hike, maybe. What's COVID? COVID can't hold me down. What's COVID? Um, We are living through a pandemic right now, and with that, uh, it's affecting a lot of the stuff we love. We love uh, casinos. We love sports we love beer we love restaurants and we can't do any of that um so talking about that i i had thrown a couple of um articles in the show notes i don't know if you were able to check up on them um johnny but um some of the interesting facts i found um one of them is um from the asian um gambling uh or it's like asian gaming um, mm-hmm. magazine and they yeah. talk about how um there was an australian financial company that did reports on um 
where people were spending their money. And Australia had seen a spike in online gambling by 67%. So yeah. obviously those people aren't going to be able to go out into the casinos. Um, over there, though, sports gambling is legal. Um, so now it's being obviously forced to more online, which I believe is illegal. Um, and it's it's kind of the same with the U.S. Um, U.S. on global poker, uh, which apparently is a huge asset, um, or not asset, but uh, site that Americans use. There was a 43% spike in the U.S. user base. But mm-hmm. then also there was a spike in 255 percent increase of new players on that that website listen man everyone loves beer everyone loves gambling mm-hmm. you know and you can do and you can legislate it you can say whatever you want about it like people are going to do it right and yeah. of course it needs to be regulated and you know i'm not saying that it doesn't need to be regulated or anything like that but you know it, it just the the data is there people gamble people love to gamble and uh people are gonna find a way to do it people are gonna find a way you know just to tie it into like the beer portion prohibition people are gonna find a way to get their beer people are gonna find a way to get their alcohol yeah um so i mean it's just i mean the spike i'm not surprised about i'm not either that it's not i i think it's i think it's interesting to see that there's a 255 percent increase um in new users but again that could be people who are more traditionalists and want to just play poker at at a casino or right. it it could be like people like myself like i used to play poker as a kid just with my friends mm-hmm. but i've i've been pretty bored it's like i kind of want to get in on that and at least have something yeah. to do well and i so, wonder too if if that that includes you know like people who are playing for real money right or is mm-hmm. it just you know like you said play people money. are bored right like yeah. are we just gonna like me you and eight other friends gonna hop in a game and play a game of poker right like yeah. i'd be interested to see you know if that that includes that but um because i know personally i know a ton of friends that are that are throwing together poker games real money fake money you know whatever the case is so yeah um, I'll, I'll need to link up with them because me and my friends have talked about uh doing uh doing online poker and playing for real money and just venmoing money around but that's uh yeah that's well that's another thing too right so if you're doing play money are you still shooting money on venmo yeah. which folks i'm gonna give you all a tip here <laughs> real quick this is my one tip of the day and we're not popular enough by any means for me to get in trouble for this. So here we go. Do not send your gambling money on Venmo. They have algorithms. They will kick you off Venmo. <laughs> and I know this by because I did it. <laughs> I was kicked off Venmo for six weeks, people. It was fantasy football season. It wasn't anything huge. I wasn't like pushing money, but I paid all my football leagues. It was the Wait. same exact amount of money, and I paid every individual league with the same football emoji, and I got an email like two days later. It was like, um, we think you're gambling, sir, and we you can't use our service. That's illegal. And it's fantasy football? It was the fantasy football stuff. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right off Venmo. I was off Venmo for six weeks. Why can't you? Could you not appeal that at all? I, I don't know. I don't want them to know I'm actually gambling, Dan. I'm not going <laughs> to blow the whistle on myself here. You know how much money I pushed through Venmo? Come on now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I mean, I was, you know, you don't really realize how much you need Venmo until you can't have it. I know. And then people know, think especially... I'm broke because I'm like, do you have cash app? And I'm like, I'm not broke. I just have cash app. Like, relax. <laughs> I just, I'm just banned <laughs> off Venmo. I call you me alone. It's whatever. Um, I'm a hustler. But, um, with that too, I, um, I, I completely agree that people are going to find a way to to gamble. People are going to find a way to to scratch that itch, and yeah. um, it's just even with like the books, like the bookmakers, like it's it's wild. The guys have been sitting in the back of bars, like paying out money to people, like in bars, in like social clubs. It's crazy to me that the U.S. government just stick your hand in it take the money that you want to take out of it exactly at this point it's just like new jersey's legal indiana's legal new hampshire's legal rhode island's legal yep delaware's legal there's a bunch of different places that are legal and that's actually another um in the cbs article new jersey's hurt by the sports gambling like the sports gambling being close and obviously that's no effect of their own it's just there's no sports being played right um, or there's no there's no sports being played that the books want to make lines on 
um, they saw a drop of $163 million just in March. $163 million. It's a lot of tax money. Yeah, that's a lot of tax money. And it's actually been down 44% since last year. Um, yeah. But that, I think that includes a lot of the casinos as well. So, um, right. But still, $163 million just on sports betting alone. Which brings me to the point that I actually really wanted to talk about. And I don't... I don't think we've ever had this conversation before, but like, what are your feelings on esports? Um, I have a, a huge feeling on it, and I'll talk about that. But I kind of want to get yeah. your your input on that. I mean, I'm all for anything in the future, right? Innovation, all that jazz. But uh, yeah. personally, I am I am piss poor at video games, <laughs> so it's nothing I'll ever get into uh, yeah. on the gambling aspect. I don't think it's something I'd ever I'd ever bet on. Yeah. Um, because right, because when I'm betting on something. I'd say 85, 90% of the time, I also want to be able to watch it, right? Like, I'm going to yeah. bet on a game that I'm going to watch. Yeah. Or I'm going to bet, or, you know, I'm going to play a game that I enjoy playing, right? Like, I'm not just going to yeah. bet on something and then come back 24 hours later and, and hope that I won. Yeah. You know, it adds that, like, thrill factor. So, um, I, I don't think I'll be getting into the the esports thing, but with that being said, uh, you know, <laughs> You never know. <laughs> I think, but it's it's kind of crazy too because I was listening to another podcast because I was getting into like Overwatch League. Mm. Robert Kraft owns Boston Uprising. That's an Overwatch yep. team. They have a facility inside of Patriots Place. Like this is very real that Manchester oh, yeah. United has a, I'm pretty sure a couple of esports players playing in like the FIFA leagues. Like mm -hmm. this is getting very real and these multi-millionaire billionaires are looking at uh, buying these teams which yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from being like i don't understand what's happening or i don't see what's happening and to be honest i did this to bring it up as a talking point i may have put in bets yesterday on some esports <laughs> okay 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 so, what are we looking at here um so i will go through some names and a lot of people that are listening probably won't understand what i'm talking about but i like this computer game it's called counter-strike it's been around forever um, i always know what you're talking about yeah you know the name. so it's the newest one came out in when i was a junior in college so 20 2011 2012 it's called counter-strike global offensive very big around the world and even in europe um Europe has a very huge betting scene around it. So I was betting on some uh, European games, which was FaZe, which if you play video games, you know who FaZe is. Um, and they were playing, who the heck were they playing? Mouse Sports, which is a newer team. And then Dignitas. Disney League? Mouse Sports. <laughs> it, it might as well should be. But um, the even the my friend's book that I went through, um, they only had $50 maximums on the bet. Um, so you could yeah. only place so much money. Um, so I just went for a straight bet on FaZe and Dignitas. Um, and what was it? Me and my buddy went in together on a couple because back in the day, we used to bet um, on these games. In game, you get skins and then they sell for real money. Um, mm -hmm. So we would go on websites and we'd bet with our skins and and make more skins from it because we were playing the game. But right. um, we put in about $50 or $54 into the phase game with a payout of $45. Um, so obviously phase was favorited in that one. And then um, on Dignitas, we put down another 50 with the potential win. It was like $74. Um, okay. We lost the Dignitas one. It was a very close game. Um, the way the game's played is there's bomb. You have to... Um, you have to blow up certain bomb sites. Um, people protect the bomb sites, and that's just the way it is. Um, okay. Very high level of what the game is. Um, super interesting. We can watch it sometimes, uh, sometime, and I'll tell you what's happening. Yeah. Um, and we ended up winning the phase game, so we pretty much hedged our bets on that. But right again, with the, with esports coming up so big and especially right now we were having this conversation a little bit earlier people were watching sim madden sim nhl sim baseball sim 2k it's like it's the it's kind of the same but you're watching a computer play when right. if you're watching like counter-strike or overwatch or league of legends which i don't know anything about um 
it's just like these are actual people that are playing the game so there's actual skill level involved in it so mm-hmm. i guess books are old but books are old school like they just want we want the action on the sports that have been being played for 50 plus years right but at the same time there's this new age coming in there's this new this new turn and maybe it is for younger kids that understand the games a little bit more but at the same time esports isn't going away games are still coming out and people are playing it professionally um i just i would like to see books kind of get into more of writing lines for these types of games yeah i mean i think esports is a like a viable business model absolutely yeah like there's no no doubt about that like absolutely and i'm not gonna just shit on anyone for esports or whatever it's just not my cup of tea and i probably won't yeah. gamble on it uh but if you can play sport you know if you can play a video game professionally and get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it like you know more power too good for you yeah. you know i wish i could do that um but that, that's probably the reason too also oh, sorry to cut you off no. but with um with like obviously you being more yeah. avid in that world than i am um outside looking in i see a huge opportunity for it but yeah. i've always been an early adopter of a lot of different things i love watching things innovate and disrupt um uh, industries uh i just think i guess you're right with your main base being um predominantly people that just want to watch football that just want to watch baseball and basketball um yeah. you have people that need to bet on friggin russian ping pong it's insane <laughs> it's insane i'm but, glad to say yeah. that my my degenerate tendencies don't uh don't don't take me into that world um yeah. i think i would maybe do that jokingly maybe drop like 20 bucks on something like that but yeah i'm not going searching for anything like that but yeah. uh you know about these esports right or, or the the madden sims and the 2k sims you know, did you see that uh the nba took nba players and made an nba 2k 20 tournament and they just did you see that the, I think I, I heard about it. I didn't actually see anything about it. Because okay, the, so, the NBA players are playing each other, right? Right. Via their yeah, team. exactly. So the NBA players are playing each other in this tournament. So Vegas turns around and starts making lines on these games. Okay. That's, but, that's crazy because there's right. no transition of skill from the NBA player playing. Versus... No, not at all. Not at all. I don't know how they got these lines, but this is the best part is that for the first round. So all these games are pre-recorded. Yeah. So for the first round or the first couple rounds the results were leaked online and so the books took to... a massive hit. That's so then what they did for, for the next, for the rest of the tournament, I heard stories of other books just spreading misinformation. So people were putting bets on the wrong guys, which I feel like has to be fraud at some level, right? Like, sure. I'm defrauding you as a business. Yeah. So like whatever, do whatever you want to do to me. But like when you're a multi-billion dollar business and you're defrauding me, like that's why, but this is the <laughs> other thing. This is a very funny because it brings us back full circle with with sports gambling just in general. It's like the U.S. We are going to do it. Human beings are going to find a way to do it. Yeah. The U.S. should get involved to have regulations on these things, yeah. So that we we as the people are protected in some way, shape, or form. Like yeah. that, it's just the way that it should be. Like. Yeah. We're it, uh, we're too righteous of a nation. We're too proud. It, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. Apparently, these casinos bring, you know, and gambling as a general, it does have a bad connotation because of yeah, uh, you know, the underground books and and who usually runs those and things like that. But I think that's uh, I think that's an old an old an old tale. I don't think yeah. that's that's something that we need to be worried about anymore. And no, you know, obviously it, you got to worry about like corruption in the game, right? You know, yeah. there. Oh yeah, but. I think the integrity on the games are definitely a huge, a huge uh, pinpoint. Yeah. And it's something that obviously people need, uh, like Pete Rose, Pete Rose saying that he never bet against his own team. It's it's stuff like that. Like Pete Rose was one of, a great baseball player, yet he's banned from the Hall of Fame. Uh, Don't even get me started on Pete Rose. <laughs> I will go on a two-hour tirade on why Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. One of the best hitters maybe, to ever play the game. Maybe never, we, bet on, never bet against his team, okay? You just—he's just getting stuff a little extra motivation. Yeah, the man was one of the best best hitters of all time. Let the man in the Hall of Fame. We'll make a whole podcast for it. We'll we'll have a whole conversation. It's going to be a whole series. It's not even going to be an episode. We're going to do it. It's going to be like a three week mini series. And I will be be looking at you with hearts in my eyes. Don't even get me started on Pete Rose, my boy Pete. Put him in the Hall of Fame. If anyone's listening, (laughs) Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, 
so it, I I get it. I get I get where you have a like a now a fault for the integrity of the game, and it sucks. Yeah. But at some point in time, it's it's becoming more mainstream. Where you have DraftKings, you have um, FanDuel, you have Bovada. Like it's so easily accessible. And all you have to do is just pay through like a PayPal or something. And you can yeah. get around any regulation. So I feel like I'm outing myself here, but I uh, on the sports book that I use, I can uh withdraw it straight from my account, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then it comes through like a third party. So it, it, it like warns me ahead of time, like, hey, you might see a transaction from like a Chinese business in your bank account. Don't worry, yep. it's just us. It's like, wait, what am I getting myself into here? Around <laughs> I, around I Thanksgiving. Well, that was the thing. Around Thanksgiving, I did that. And I used two or three of my cards because they were like, nope, (laughs) nope, you're going through a Chinese. I was like, come on, let me just have some action on this Thanksgiving game. God. I I think one of my buddies got a a transaction from South Korea. And I was like, man, you are in trouble. That is not going to look good. Funneling money to South Korea, straight into North (laughs) Korea. I don't know, man. You might want to cancel that card. Yeah, I got a call from my bank, and they were like, "Do you know that a Chinese company is was trying to pull money out of your account?" And I was like, "No." And then I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I think crap. I did." <laughs> and then my card got canceled, and I couldn't use that. And I was like, mm, <laughs> "Dang it!" <laughs> what are you gonna do, so, man? Yeah, That's there's nothing. Nothing. I've gone. I've gone to great lengths. Uh, I've gone to great lengths to get gambling funds we'll put it that way and I'll, I'll tease a, i'll tease a great uh a great 3 a.m story at, at encore boston harbor that we can get to in another episode but uh but, i've gone I mean, to great do, length to get cash that's for you, sure you do have some great encore stories and this will definitely be <laughs> another one on top of that so again if you don't know johnny and i obviously we've been talking about the patriots we've been talking about everything how johnny likes the eagles and he lives in a garbage bag but uh Whoa. we we are from boston um so we just have the new win casino uh that opened up last may last june it's been open for a year now uh, yeah june i believe yep yep and uh now we're seeing obviously it's it already had like this weird decline where they're like we're not making that much money and it was like you, well your table mat or men's are like 25 dollars, and yeah. boston people aren't gonna pay that money yeah. um and now they're obviously in, in more decline because what's going on right now so it right. sucks it's a great place it's a beautiful place um really doing a lot for that area um but uh yeah we're seeing we are not seeing a great time for it no and uh you know obviously no one is right and and you see that that vegas and that that mayor in las vegas um apparently wants to just open everything and you know i was reading last night uh mgm's earnings call uh, they're losing 267 million a month or something like that you know some large like astronomical number and you know, so when when these cities do open, you know, especially Vegas, all these casinos, you know, obviously they own more than one location in, in different casinos. So they're they're talking about phased openings. So, you know, they're trying to, to mitigate the mitigate the, the the problem here. But if you're only going to open three out of eleven casinos, you know, you can't handle that. You know, and, yeah. and I know we're going to get into this here shortly, but you know, we're going to do these phased openings. These restaurants mm-hmm. opening at thirty percent capacity, like a restaurant can't survive. On thirty percent capacity, like, yeah. I can tell you that right now. Like, they're they're hardly. It's just not going to happen. So you might yeah. as well just keep them closed. But, um, yeah, yeah I know and... we're going to get to that. But the the Vegas landscape in terms of the gambling and the casinos is definitely something that I'm intrigued to 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 see how that hand uh, that pans out. Yeah, because I, and I think they're, it... they're kind of self regulating themselves. You know, it's... they're 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 not opening every location. They're not saying okay, we're open and we're open. They're saying okay, we're open. We're gonna we're dipping our toes in here. You know, yeah. we're not trying to lose all this money. We're not trying to get this litigation where someone comes into our space and, um, you know, someone you gets sick and God yeah. forbid someone dies. You know, yeah. how does that happen? Do we have that liability? So, you know, they're, they're not stupid. They're, they've made money because they're smart. Yeah. So I'm intrigued to see how this all plays out. Yeah. I think just Vegas wanting to, the mayor wanting to just open <laughs> is dangerous because obviously with the flights, the flights already to Vegas are cheap. Right. And then you're going to watch these airlines be like, oh, Vegas is open. 
yeah, make those cheap those flights even cheaper so we can at least uh, hedge our bets and, and make some more money uh, yep. coming into this. So, it's, yeah, the tourist hubs are going to have trouble, in my opinion. Um, you know, you know, Vegas, New Orleans, mm-hmm. New York City, uh, Los Angeles. You know, big ports of entry, big uh, you know tourist hubs are. are yeah. You know, it's it's going to be even tougher for those guys, I think. But we'll yeah. see. We will see. Um, so, yeah, getting into uh, talking about the local restaurants and um, and breweries, uh, you brought it up, 30 people in a restaurant. That doesn't help the restaurants survive. It, no. it it doesn't one bit. And they're already working on razor-thin margins anyways. And now we're – it sucks. The whole thing right. sucks. But Right. Well, and right in the, in the theory or the the premise there, right, okay, you can you can let in 30% of whatever your maximum capacity is. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, go to the American individual and tell them that they can only live on 30% of their income. Yeah. Right? Because that's basically what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not prepared to do that. Are you prepared to do that? No. I, <laughs> right. I mean, I've already, my income has already been taken down a little bit. And it's like, right. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't exactly. good. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean. Listen, I mean, it's all in 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 the right vein, right? We got to get these businesses open. We got to get people working, you know. Yeah. But you know, these restaurants, like you said, are already working on razor thin margins. Thirty percent capacity comes in. That means they're going to have to staff it full, yeah. right? They're going to have to have servers, bartenders, cooks, managers, cleaning staff afterwards. You're paying your rent, mm-hmm. you know. And now these places are open, and so now the landlords can't, you know, you can't go to your landlord. Well, I'm not making money. Well, you are making money. You need to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it's a tough, it's a tough situation to be in. You can't just rip the bandaid off with something like this. So I'm interested to see, you know, kind of in, in the, the innovation and what they've been doing here. Like everyone's gone to take out, which is their only option, obviously. So I don't know if I can call it innovation. It's their only option, but you know, everyone's gone to take out your, you see legislatures, Allowing police uh, places to, you know, sell beer to go, sell wine to go in certain states, sell liquor to go that have never done that before. Yeah, like those are all. I think a lot of, I think a lot of good can come from this. You know, if we just inject some common sense into it, and I think that's huge. I don't think it necessarily affects Massachusetts as much because laws around breweries and restaurants aren't as stringent as they are in other areas of the United States. Yep. But you look at some place like Texas, who drizzly can't open there because they can't deliver alcohol right yeah. like all of a sudden their governor is seeing that people just want beer like they're not going to take the beer and run naked down the street they're not going to yeah. open it and pour it all over themselves and just start robbing people yeah right it's just another avenue for income and he's already admitted governor having ever written an article the other day i can't remember where it's from but they talked about that like okay you've allowed these places to deliver alcohol like is that going to stop once yeah once this once this pandemic kind of comes to a turn, he's like, I don't think so, right? Like we're seeing an influx of cash. Like obviously, it's not something that is sustainable, but it's keeping these places afloat. Yeah, and I think that that when you inject that just like minimal, minimal, minimal amount of common sense, yeah, into government, which we I don't want to get in that, but <laughs> yeah, you, you just you help these places flourish. And so if you're allowing small breweries in, in Texas to now deliver their beer, or if you're, you're taking uh, these restrictive regulations that necessarily don't make sense in terms of like beer and brewing and liquor, and you just inject common sense into that. I think we're going to see a lot of good really come from this. And we're going to see a lot of new breweries, a lot of new distilleries, a lot of new bars and restaurants. You know, obviously this is long-term, you know, I'm not naive to that, but I think it's definitely something where, like I said, we're going to see a lot of a lot of good. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. Long term, yeah, minutes. yeah, and that's uh, that's huge. Uh, and that was going to be one of my questions: is once we get back to a norm, uh, which no one knows when that's going to happen, are we going to um, see see a lot of these new regulations get taken back? I can see like growler fills at a restaurant. I can see that easily getting taken back. That's that is not a restaurant's sustainability. That's a brewery's sustainability. Um, but as for right now, allowing to have liquor sales um, continue through that, like in Massachusetts, that obviously helps out restaurants now. Right. But delivery, like at-home deliveries, um, I think for smaller breweries is great. Where Trillium's doing it right now, 
um i see them just being like we don't need that once this is over right um, but for a smaller brewery uh, like like percival and norwood or um um oh god they're on the tip of my tongue and i can't think of them right now um they're up on the north shore uh or i wasn't thinking about it but channel marker channel markers mm-hmm. huge hype right now um and make some awesome beer but at the same time they are small enough where if they can build up and bolster the capacity in which they're brewing at which they have done a really good job at um, right. and allowed to deliver that that just creates another avenue for revenue to come in um right. so I, i'm interested to see what happens um but um there is that other um where is it there's another article that i dropped in here from my buddies over at um the mass brew Bro- uh, bros um some good friends they um wrote this blog post in regards to what's the future of uh, it's called what is the future of massachusetts craft beer industry post pandemic local brewers weigh in um so i think they had about like seven or something breweries yeah a little over seven uh, yeah quite a bit more um but people weigh in on what uh what the landscape will look like and they put in an awesome um quote from jim koch who if you're not familiar i don't know how you you can't really be but uh one of the forefathers in craft brewing uh he is the owner and founder of sam adams uh in the boston beer company uh but he said um where is that quote um so he told uh chris farinari um at fortune magazine he uh who's been brewing for 30 years, uh, I would not underestimate the resilience and general scrappiness of craft brewers and our ability to innovate, improvise, and make do and survive. That's the DNA of craft brewer. I think more people are going to reopen and I think craft brewers will surprise people with their determination and grit. And when I read that quote, I was like, this is so on brand with what we're trying to do with craft beer hustlers and showcase that. So with Jim Koch saying that um, there is so much collaboration, so much collaboration within the craft beer space uh, as well as just uh, constant innovation, like, more recently people are like oh hazy ipas that wouldn't have happened if people just didn't play with recipes if we stuck to the tried and true just like classic styles which are great which will i believe continue to make people money um and those are going to be the long-standing breweries who can do those well um but these new england styles these sour ipas these uh milkshake ipas this is just people being innovative and trying different things i think that craft brewing is a science as well as an art um so i think a lot of people are going to be doing some crazy things and trying to just continue to make their business thrive and i don't want to see a lot of breweries close no and i don't think anyone wants to i don't think anyone wants to see a lot of breweries closed you know personal opinions about mr coke aside and him being a billionaire and still trying to call himself a craft brewer but you know it's not going to be as easy for everyone else when we don't own cideries and uh you know we're not pushing out excuse me, we're not pushing out hundreds of, you know, hundreds of thousands of barrels of beer and we're not pushing out seltzers. And so, I mean, that's, uh, I think a little optimistic, uh, coming from, from, from him, but, um, you know, but to your point, I think that does encapsulate kind of the attitude and and the outlook of these people, you know, of any small business owner, but especially I think brewers, right. Because you're trying to break into a landscape now that, that so many people are trying to break into. And, and while there is this like, honestly an odd sense of like community and camaraderie right like we're still in a capitalistic society and oh yeah you know like you if it comes down to you and another brewery you're gonna you look know, out for your number one yeah you gotta look out for yourself right but it's this yeah. weird sense of, of, of camaraderie and community which is great that i enjoy but i still in the back of my mind is like this is really weird like yeah. what is happening here um but i, I think it, it's that larger point you know it, these people are, are on their grind and obviously i don't want to see anyone anyone not be able to open back up you know that's not the that's not what we want but it's uh well it's it's a very interesting take by by him yeah and i i agree with you what with what you're saying um with he's got an influx of cash coming in and and this doesn't affect him in 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 any manner shape or form i mean sure he's losing a little bit of money but come on man get out of here with that 
yeah um i i like i liked the quote because i do i believe innately um with uh small businesses and entrepreneurs um craft beer is is it encapsulates that um and for people people that don't know i actually went to school um for business i went to school for or i concentrated in entrepreneurship and one of my favorite things and i think why i'm so attracted to the craft beer industry is i always believed that innovation comes from collaboration um i love these spaces that allows for like like a we work or something like that i and i enjoy their idea i enjoy their idea of what they're doing to progress um collaboration um as well as doing shared offices it can be tough and it's good for uh small businesses but it also in includes a lot of innovation incubator incubators are another thing that is huge for me and which is why i love the craft beer industry because like you said we live in a capitalist society if you're going down the shitter and another business is going down the shitter you want to protect your number one you're going to do as much as you can to get a, a step ahead uh, i like what other half did and released the recipe and 600 plus breweries are making the all together beer but at the same time as collaborative as that is it's the same thing with the wildfires out and it's similar to the same thing with the wildfires out in um california where Sierra Nevada released their resilience uh, recipe and everyone brewed it. All of those proceeds went back to that. At least right. with this, I think altogether they can keep a portion of the proceeds, but uh, a good amount of it goes to the Greg Hill Foundation. If I'm not, if I'm not correct, someone can correct me on that. Um, yeah, so it's actually so it goes to the uh, oh geez, is it a rest, restaurant strong foundation? I think is what it's called. So yeah, it's a foundation for for bar. It's not. I know the Greg Hill Foundation is sponsoring it or making a sizable contribution. Yeah, um, I think Boston Beer Company to, and Greg Hill did that. Right, but it's going to the Restaurant Strong Foundation. Oh, okay. Um, I believe is what it's called, Restaurant Strong Fund, okay. uh, which is going to all these um. Yeah, Restaurant Strong Fund, which is going yeah. to, to people who have been displaced through this. So, and again, that's great. I love that. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's necessary, right? Yeah. And and anyone who's listening to this who knows me knows my my political and economic views. So it, I, I think it's important that, that everyone steps up to help, you know, yeah. these, those people that are most affected by this. But yeah. Um, yeah, but to that point, like you said, that the sentiment of that quote from from him is is great, right? Like these are are, are strong strong-willed hard-working really like individuals right they're not all billionaires like he is you know so they have to put in that sweat equity and and that's what they've done from day one and you know we just hope they can come out on the other side from this yeah and which is the one of the scariest quotes from this um i have a couple other ones that i wrote down from brewers and things like that but um if the way we're trending right now continues into mid-july 60 percent of these the small u.s breweries believe they will be forced to shut down and it's like this is why the social distancing and flattening the curve is so important um, right now as we work to try and get a vaccine um but at the same time it's it's a scary scary time so those places that you love those restaurants you love those breweries that you love uh if you're not at least trying to separate yourself as much as possible i think i've seen five people the entire time six people the entire time through the social distancing um so i am going a little insane but um at the same time it 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 helps us very much and um it helps protect our our nurses and things like that who are going through it um but um yeah it's just there's a lot that's going on Um, yeah it's uh it's i don't need to say this it's it's a crazy time it's absolutely insane and um you know everything you know buy a gift card buy some to-go beer you know buy some takeout whatever you can do obviously but um you know it's uh it's a very interesting time and uh you know again i've said this a couple times now but it's all just about doing what we can to get out uh get out on the other side here at this point which hopefully we're coming up on that yeah um i know me personally like i've i've been to castle island a few times i've talked to adam i haven't seen dell around that much so if if you guys aren't familiar with castle island brewery out of norwood massachusetts um one of my uh personal favorites not even just because i worked there i've always loved that brewery um i've been going there since year one um probably a couple months after they opened when they had like a teeny tiny tap room in their production facility and no seating area um and now um 
the whole arcade, which Johnny, you're very familiar with, um, yeah. as well as uh, the huge tap room and the events that they've been able to put on. But um, they they seem to be in high spirits. Um, things are are looking up for them, or they're able to continue with the way their business model is and their distribution. Um, but they're just making great beer to to continue and to help everyone, and they just genuinely want to help people. They um uh elbow bumps and toe taps was uh every five dollars from every four pack went to the restaurant strong and then they um did their own rendition of all together as well which were released mm-hmm. yesterday we're recording this on saturday uh may 2nd they released that on um friday may 1st right. um so they're they're doing some good stuff but i've supported them um i've supported other local breweries um, whether that's going to my local shops and buying some beer, um, as well as like my, my barbers who are some of my great friends, um, they're all closed down. So it's, it's so, so, so important to continue to try and support these, these businesses that you love, because the worst thing is to, to see them fail. And, um, I think we, as a community need to, to involve ourselves in that. Like you said, everyone needs to step up and help. Like we're all in a bad situation, but, if we lose our favorite small businesses, the big businesses won't really care about you as much. So they just know they have your money. Yeah, that's uh, true. Words have never been spoken. Um, but I mean, into to those to these points too, it's it's interesting to think about business models, and we're talking about breweries closing, and and you think about breweries like like Castle Island who have made uh, you know distribution to like liquor stores or package stores, grocery yep. stores, like a real focal point. And then you think about other breweries, and you know, one of the first um, breweries that comes to mind is Bissell Brothers in Portland, Maine. Uh, you know, they've been very vocal about how you know they want to keep control of how their mm-hmm. product is managed. They keep it in house. They don't do a lot of distribution, if at all, um, which is great. That's their prerogative, and it's clearly working for them, right? But yeah. then you start to think about these different business models and how these choices have af- affected them in this current time, and you got to wonder, you know, it, it, you know how how those different business models will sustain through this you know i'm not i'm not an mba i'm not going to speak to that you know but i am curious i'm smart enough to know that i think some decisions are better than others and it's interesting i'm interested to see you know how that plays out yeah and i completely understand both heads of the coin because with the distribution you're allowing yourself for more um more avenues for revenue as well as with the in-house completely with your distribution um being your own you're able to control the product and make sure that you're producing a high quality product that is i would at least hope quality assured and going out as same as possible um because a few week old beer compared to a few month old beer can change drastically if you don't have the measures in order to sustain a quality assurance um i taught i it's funny, uh, like I said, I, I've gotten some great um, opportunities and I was able to speak with uh, one of the co-founders and the head brewer over at um, Clown Shoes. Um, so if you don't know, Clown Shoes brews out of Harpoon in downtown Boston. And um, one of their sticking points when they were looking for a bigger facility to go to because they were originally brewing out of Ipswich was Harpoon. Uh, or they went to Harpoon, but their big sticking point was that they wanted to be able to have quality insurance and make sure that their beers were going to travel well. If they were spreading it throughout the country, which they do, they wanted to make sure that quality assurance was there. And that was a huge reason why they strayed away from hazy IPAs for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I think it's called Zen Garden. Uh, the story mm-hmm. behind it is is great as well uh, of the label, but um in order for them to produce that beer, they wanted to be able to assure that if it was going across the country or if it was going internationally, that haze, that flavor was going to sustain. And they were able right. to do it, but that's why it took them so long to get on that train. So it, there's difficulty in being able to um, go through distribution as well as self-distributing. So right. there's a lot to it. But Yeah, and quality yeah. assurance is huge, right? Like you, you, that's the consistency in that is is will make or break your business right yeah and that's why we all you know myself included sometimes we'll we'll sit here and we'll shit on Coors Light Bud Light Miller Light all that but there's a reason why they're a huge focal point the fact that they can make 
as much beer as they make, send it to as many places as they send it to. And if I buy a beer in Portland, Maine, or if I buy a beer in Southern California, it's going to taste exactly the same. Yeah. And like kudos to you. And then, but, and that's something that these small breweries know that they need to emulate in terms of the quality assurance and the consistency. And, you know, as much as we want to shit on these, these larger macro breweries, they've, they figured it out. The, you know, there's a reason them. why they're, there's a reason why they're macro. They figured right. it out. Right. So, so, yeah. Um, so I think, I think now is a great time to just start, uh, wrapping everything up. So, uh, I want to say thank you myself and I'm sure Johnny holds the same sentiment. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, uh, through and through, um, we really appreciate that. Um, if you guys could, we're actually releasing to as many, um, places that you find your podcast. So please rate, subscribe. It will only help us bump up in those ratings. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely follow us on instagram craft beer hustlers follow us on twitter it's uh, cbh underscore pod because twitter has to be different um <laughs> if you ever want to email us questions topics you want to hear us talk about what are we craft beer hustlers at gmail.com right craft beer hustlers at gmail.com um yeah. we're releasing through anchor uh podcast i uh, gotta get the exact link we'll put it in the show notes but uh you can actually send messages directly there i think you can call in and leave a message to us there so if you guys have questions or comments and want to leave that for us me and johnny will listen to those and we will uh make note of them and and even share them on the podcast so uh, next episode uh this one should release if we can on may 6th which is wednesday may 6th so we're recording this on may 2nd um and then the one following that uh is a bi-weekly drop so we will be releasing that on may 20th so be on the lookout for that all right all everyone right. thanks for listening we appreciate you taking the time like us on all the socials send us any emails leave us any voicemails we'll, we'll tackle it all we appreciate your time thanks and that is it episode one is in the bag johnny and i want to say thank you again so much for tuning in and listening uh follow us on twitter cbh underscore pod uh follow us on instagram that is the craft beer hustlers and shoot us any emails at craftbeerhustlers at gmail.com uh you can leave us voicemails at anchor.fm slash craftbeerhustlers which we will gladly take in any suggestions people that you want to hear or even just questions for us so again thank you so much please rate comment subscribe we love you guys and we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast